Welcome to A Fly on the Wall. Friends all over 40. Each at different stages in life, love, and careers. Each with very different thoughts, ideas, and opinions on relationships, business, and society. Come, be a fly on the wall as we let you listen to our discussions. Let's take it to the table. another episode of a fly on the wall hey. i am michelle and i'm here of course of course with my special guest my special cousin yeah host, what's up hey, hey welcome another Thank quarantine you. edition <laughs> another quarantine edition that's right so michelle's at uh her house and i am at Mine and we're yeah. coming into yours. Yes. <laughs> coming, coming at you. Sorry. Just, just okay. Sorry. <laughs> so today okay. we have a very special guest, right? Michelle? Yes, we have a special guest today, Kim. Yeah. Hi, Kim. Hi guys, how are you? Good. How Bye. you doing? I'm doing well. We're here in New York. I'm not down there with you guys in Georgia, but I'm from quarantine home in New York as well. Safe and sound. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. So we would like you to uh, kind of introduce yourself and tell us uh, about what you do. All right. Uh, so I know Serena for many years. We met back uh, going to school in Queens. Look how Facebook's nervous. She's afraid, but I'm going to say <laughs> So I, uh, I met Serena many years ago in uh, high school. We've been friends ever since uh, many, many years. I started riding horses uh, many years ago before I met Serena. And I mm-hmm. continued. We went to the same college together, SUNY Cortland. And, in Cortland, I joined the equestrian team, which I'm sure, you know, I think, not think, I was the only African-American uh, on the team. And really funny going through campus with riding clothes on. The kids would always be like, what you doing? How are you doing that? You know, my folks don't ride. And I'm like, well, yeah, they do, right? So I did that, uh, competed on that team, graduated. Uh, I joined uh, the New York State Police and I, started doing my very first mounted details probably back in 1999. That's how old I am. Yes, I 27 years in the state police. And I've been doing mounted details since then. Um, in 2017, it was the 100th centennial celebration, 100th uh, birthday of state police. And they brought back mounted. So my, uh, you had to have your own horse, your own trailer, in order to join the detail. And you can imagine out of probably 4,000, 5,000 members, I was again the only uh, African-American to be able to do that detail, 18 members across the state of New York. Wow. Uh, and I was one of them. So I am currently the first, the only African-American, African-American woman to ever be mounted on a New York State Police. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. congratulations. Thank That's you. major. So I'm certified in that, 
certified mounted officer. And I also have several other certifications. I had the, through that, I had the opportunity to go train internationally. I trained with the World Canadian Mounted Police for two weeks in Canada. Um, and I do some horse training. I have my own business for find groundwork solutions, where we do uh, what they call groundwork with horses. I also offer equine experiential education, where we can use horses not to help folks. Basically, the horse helps people. It's not therapy, but it's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have a 501c3 called Humanity Horsemanship here in New York where we try to, you know, do programming for underserved populations. Oh, and that's, that's in New York City or on the island? Well, I'm based on Long Island, but we travel. I've gone into New York City. I've taken my course into the city on several, for several different details. We've traveled all around, you know, the state of New York. We haven't made it to Georgia, but we, we, uh, we do programming all over. Not yet. So we can, we can definitely do programming, um, in the city. Oh, cool. So, um, how did, I think, I guess, I wanted to know a little bit of history of uh, writing in African Americans, because I know when I first met you, I, I of course, had no clue about any of this stuff. And I remember, uh, I think it was well after college when we had kids and stuff, we, you took me to this little uh, place off of, in Brooklyn, and... Yeah. And they were riding there. We, I think it was a rodeo or something. Um, and you told me about the Black Cowboys, I think. Was it the Black Cowboys? Yes, there used to be an organization called the Federation of Black Cowboys in Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, they no longer are there. Uh, the city came in and took the property over. But, yeah, you know, a lot of people don't realize that horsemanship, horseback riding is uh, natural. Now down south, in many, many communities, they ride. They ride horses, typically what we call the Western disciplines. Um, you'll see it all over. You have a couple of riding organizations in Georgia. I see, I'm you know, affiliated with on Facebook. But people don't realize that, you know, from 1875 to 1902, black jockeys won 15. Kentucky Derby. You know, we were well entrenched. Then we got, you know, they came Jim Crow, they came prohibitions, where they said, no, 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 you guys can't do that anymore. And I believe that's kind of how, you know, it became something that black folks just don't do. You know, so my daughter, my daughters ride. They're avid riders, they compete. Uh, my daughter's on her college equestrian team. Uh, they do pretty well. And you know, so often my youngest went to school and the kids said to her, you know, like, hey, that's not a black thing. And uh, the truth is, we just don't know our history. You know, we don't understand that that is absolutely something that we did culturally. How did people get, how did we think people got around before cars? You know, we all rode, say everybody rode a horse. So, you know, it just becomes a situation where sometimes it's, you know, people think it's just, you know, not, something that they should do. That's cool. Uh, well, it's not cool that they think that, but it's cool to know that information. Uh, is it costly? Does it? Is that one of the things you think that prevents people from riding horses? 
I mean, I think so generally, but then I also say to myself, you know, I see people, you have like a hundred pair of Jordans, you can rock. So it's not, you know, it is, it all depends on what we love and what we choose to spend our money on. Um, it can be expensive, absolutely, it can be. But I think there's always options and, you know, uh, potential out there for people to find ways to do it. You can go trail riding, you know, there's lots of opportunities. I don't, I don't think it's cost. In New York, you could go on a trail ride for $50. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. $50. Yeah. Okay. Um, I always monopolize the conversation. And last time we had an interview, I was asking all my questions, and then Michelle had a whole bunch of questions at the end. So I'm going to see does Michelle have any questions? I don't want to keep talking and not give Michelle the opportunity to ask you some questions. <laughs> well, I just want to know what made you um, decide to start writing? I know you said you started. Um, when you were in high school, you started riding, or before that? No, I always enjoyed it. Uh, we used to go trail riding. I always asked my dad, you know, take me to the trail ride. Take me, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I want to go ride. I just had an affinity for horses and affinity to ride. It just was just something that interested me. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I think that you're just born like that. <laughs> I think some people just, you know, love it. It's part of who I am. You know, I. I when I'm not there, or when I don't, I'm not with them. It makes a difference. It definitely, it just definitely has become part of who I am. And I'm blessed that my girls love it. So it's something that we get to share. It's great when you get to share a passion with your kids, and your kids are passionate about it. And mm-hmm. It's something that we can do together. So it's a family activity, actually. Wow, that's great. Great. And how is it? Are you get? What's the reaction you get? as an officer, as a mounted police officer from the other officers, do you feel like they give you any kind of rude treatment or anything? Well, well, the thing is, it's not for my job, it's not a full-time job. We do it as in a ceremonial function, so I'll take my horse, and because she belongs to me, I don't use her for enforcement, because if she gets hurt, it's on me. Right, Um, right. So we do ceremonial things, we do Memorial Days, we do stuff like that. And typically, I mean, it's pretty well received. I mean, listen, people are going to give you a look just simply because you're a black woman on a horse and they're going to wonder, woo, and you're a cop? Like, hmm. So yeah, I mean, you're going to get questions. You're going to have people talk to you about it. But it's on and off. You know, we go to things, my girls, we compete, we travel, we take them all over, and you're going to get people who, you know, ask you those questions. Hey, whose horse is that? You know, mine. No, yeah. like, who's horse? No, like, really, whose horse is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get that. And is that we're, <laughs> yeah, we're fortunate enough that we actually own three. So, you know, when my kids, even at the barn where we, where our horses are, you know, my daughters have told me, some lady came up there and she was like, oh, do you work here? My daughter's like, no. And she's like, oh, do you have, do you ride, do you rent horses and you ride here? She was like, no. So the lady's like, oh, you don't rent horses? She's like, no, I own three, thank you. And the lady was like, <laughs> so, you know, you're always, but that's just life. You know, you're always mm-hmm. going to have people who, you know, they don't understand. They don't get it, you know? Right. But I find that a lot of people are interested in it. You know, they definitely have some interest. And when I take her out, I take her to schools. 
and I try to take us to underserved communities and populations and I can tell you that the kids love it you know yeah. they love it when you tell them it's your horse you know they're like it, it says to them oh I can do this right well it's no I'm no different from you you're no different from me if this is something that you love and something that you want to do nothing everything is attainable right um and my one horse uh, that I use her name is Storm I rescued her uh she was in what they call a kilton she was gonna go to slaughter um and so we rescued her and I can tell you that she's taught me so many things that you learn dealing with you know animals you know horses live in the moment they 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 you can't be incongruent meaning you can't show up and smiling but inside you have all this turmoil they read that you know they're able to see right through it so you know she has taught me so much and i use her story you know when i first got her she reared she had all kind of behavioral problems she you know i i tell the kids you know she had a bad attitude right <laughs> but uh in time you know time dedication uh working with her putting in she changed you know she went from something that was discarded something that somebody said they didn't want they just threw it away uh you know she would have been dead you know she would have been wherever um going to the slaughter pipeline and i tell kids you know so look at this this is somebody this is a horse that learned you know to control her emotions because that was part of the problem she was very emotional she would explode she would get upset so she learned she had to learn how to control her emotions she had to learn how to move forward so just like kids when you're faced with a challenge right and you want to get angry and you want to explode you know you can learn how to get past that you can learn how to be successful this horse went through mounted to lee school she was small she's small she's not considered a big boy mm-hmm. and uh you know i said you know just because she's little some people say she couldn't do it but she proved them wrong you know she did so it wasn't about her size because she was a girl maybe she couldn't do it didn't matter she still got it done you know so together we were able to overcome so many obstacles in terms of you know where what someone might have thought her destiny should have been so i like to tell the kids you know it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter what somebody tells you when i got the horse she was acting up so bad i had a trainer tell me just get rid of her you know she's going to hurt your kids or she's going to ah she's not worth it get rid of her but you know i don't always listen thank god uh and we pushed through it and we worked through it and we were able to come to the other side this horse has walked under a helicopter with me she's done all kinds of details with me parades she's just been amazing so if there's anything you know that you hope people can take away from that when i use her is that you know it doesn't matter don't let people define you don't let somebody tell you what you can't do you know anything is possible. Wow. That's, that's a beautiful story. Yeah. yeah. It is. And that's something I was of course as a teacher I always think like that's great for my kids to hear my students because they're like storm, you know. Mm, right. And that's really my passion. My passion is, you know, to go into those schools and talk to those kids. I take her to we do Easter events, we do community events. We do we play she plays soccer with the kids. 
As a matter of fact, I mean, she has her own Instagram. Oh, uh, really? It's called, <laughs> it's called uh, Perfectly, P-E-R-F-E-C-T-L-Y, and then the underscore, the underscore, and Storm, S-T-O-R-M, on Instagram. Um, and you'll be able to see so many of the things that she does. You know, my daughter has competed with her, so she'll do that, and then she'll go to a show. She jumps. She does anything. You know, that's the limit. So she she does so much. Did I see one of her messing with fire, doing something with fire? Yep. Yep. If it's possible, we get it done. Yep. That's that's the point. Like I said, you know, everything is possible, and that's the message. You know, I want young people to understand like nothing is impossible and using her story just you know horses transcend you know most kids love animals so they're willing to come right up to you and start talking that is awesome that's an awesome story how does it um i guess you you said something about it not it's not therapy but it's therapeutic right Mm -hmm. um I guess what I want to ask is something in regards to that. Like, how is it? How is it? I understand it's not actual therapy, so it's not like you're saying you guys do therapy work with them. But you know, like, yeah, nobody's gonna say. So what happened to you? So let's talk about it. You know, let's go relive it. Let's work through it. That's not what it's about. You know, you come there. So when I do the E3A, the Equine Educational Piece. Um, it's more about where do we go from here? It's more about, you know, you can do it for personal development, you can do it for leadership, you can do it for corporate training. Um, it's more about this happened with the horse. Where else does this happen in your life? And how can you make that change? So you become the person who figures out the answer. I don't tell you, I facilitate it, and the horse does what the horse does, but again, Horses are so reflective of our emotions that it they, they it's amazing. You'd be amazed. Some people just brushing and spending time with the animals. You'd be mm-hmm. amazed how many people just start to cry. They just have a release where they are able, you know, to connect on a different level. So it's not, you know, it's not therapy, but it can be therapeutic. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Michelle, any questions? Um, I, I don't even know. So when I was younger, I loved horses and I would yeah. go riding on the weekends. There was a little farm um, not too far from my house in Deer Park. This was like in the early 80s. <laughs> and I absolutely loved it. And I would ask my parents, why can't we get a horse? And at the time, it was very expensive, like you said. So do you find that um, over the years, it's been like the pricing has changed? Is it more affordable if somebody decided that they wanted to go into it also? How would they get started with that? And how would they, you know, the finances part, financial part of it? You know, again, it's based on what you love, you know? So many people, you spend this much money on basketball, you spend this much money on football. So it is a sport. It is not cheap. Um, but again, do you want to compete or do you just want to ride? You know, there's all different levels. So if you just if you just want to ride and you just want to have a recreational ride, you can take up a lesson. I mean, there are all different types of programs. There are packages that you could buy to go and, um, 
learn how to write. I mean, like anything else, you have to be careful. If you really want to take it up as a hobby or a sport, you really want to be in good hands. Because like anything else, some people just take the money, you know. Mm. So it's like anything else. But no, it is, you know, listen, I'm not going to tell you it's cheap. It's absolutely not cheap. But I find that if it's something, there's programming out there. There's programming out there. I have a good friend in Connecticut called the Ebony Horsewomen. She has an amazing foundation there. I, you know, they're a work to ride program in Philly. So there are, and those are all African-American based programs. There are programs around, you know, and if you, there are ways, there are also riding clubs, you know, if you, I'm sure, I know there's a couple in Georgia. I'm sure if you reached out to some of those clubs and said, hey, you know, what's the demographic in your town? What's the demographic? I don't know what it costs there. Right. You know, what it costs here. So, you know, there are ways. Here, a lot of times, like, the town will provide, like, a Girl Scout riding program or you, know, you could go riding through a town program. So there's a little different, a little different ways. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely possible to, to get out there and start riding for anybody. There's really nothing stopping you nowadays as you mentioned all those different programs that somebody can sign up for and get started and i like the point that you made about um we choose to where to spend our money at because if yeah. we could spend hundreds of dollars on sneakers and clothes and even belts <laughs> then and hair right then why not for your kids especially invest right. that money in something that is going to be long-term and holistically beneficial to them right right uh, how how have you um how has horse riding been affected uh during this whole covid medical emergency thing situation well in new york obviously you know we're in the epicenter i'm in long island so we're at the epicenter of it so general lessons in trail riding it's not happening but if you are a horse owner or leaser, you still go to the barn. I mean, I go to the barn every day because I take care of my horses, so we still mm-hmm. see other horses, we still ride. Um, but yeah, general riding is not happening, but there are states, like Georgia probably is back on, you know, there are states that are slowly opening up. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully New York will be soon, because there's ways to do it without cross-contamination, so to speak, you know. Yeah, I would think that it, it's not like you have a group of 30 going, you know, it's it's more personal, right? Yeah, it's, you know, like anything else, you have to be concerned. What if somebody falls off? What if somebody got hurt and you don't want to have to be at the hospital? Like, I think those were where the bigger uh, concern, you know, about it's got to be, you know, injury or whatever. So. But, um, yeah, you're going to be six feet apart. You're not going to be on top of each other. And like I said, we still ride, but we own and you know if anybody's interested in our area in the new york area um i could give you guys my email you could email equine e-q-u-i-n-e groundworks g-r-o-u-n-d-w-o-r-k solutions s-o-l-u-t-i-o-n-s at gmail.com um because i will be We'll be doing programming as soon as this lifts. We're out at DDR Farm in Melville. DDR Farms, you said? Uh huh. DDR Farm in Melville, New York. It's uh, like the Nassau Suffolk border. It's not too far. Not too, mm-hmm. I mean, not too far from the city. It's, it's pretty good. 
That's awesome. Okay. Um, let's see. So is there anything anything you wanted to uh, that we didn't touch on that you wanted to uh I get let be known to our listeners um regarding writing or anything that any other of your business ventures that you wanna share or anything? You know, eventually the plan is to have my own farm and, you know, be able to do some great programming, some weekend retreats and things like that. Mm-hmm. And a couple more years here in New York and then we're out of here. So uh, hopefully... Down in Georgia, right? Out. Down in Georgia? No. 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 Too hot in Georgia, guys. It's, it's cold right now in Georgia, okay? It's like 59 degrees. Talk about, and okay, it's 50 May. Okay, not cold, but anyway. Okay, 50 is not cold. Anyway, um... So no, we have we don't have a location just yet. But once we do, we will come back on your show and we'll let everybody know uh, where we're at and what we're doing, so we can uh, get everybody updated on that. But I guess I can say that you also don't have to always ride. Like I said, spending time with them. Um, the program that I was talking about, the Equine Experiential Education, is not riding. It's an on the ground interaction because so many people fear them because they think they're you know they're so big they're so big mm-hmm. so sometimes I think the best thing to do is maybe get an introduction on the ground and learn like anything else how should I be around this animal to make me feel safe so one of the first things I do is a safety uh, lesson with everybody and that's just on the ground you know where should I stand where should I be you know, what people all think, you know, horse is going to kick me. They really don't kick you just because horses have blind spots, but they don't see you, you know, they don't know you're there. So there's all kinds of reasons, you know, why things happen. So I think just uh, educating yourself about, you know, the animal and conquering some fears. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen a few times on television where they do therapy session sessions like that where if you are i guess if you and the the horse are vibing right you could lift up its leg is that true or is that just like tv thing lift up its leg yeah like for it'll lift it that's a daily activity for real i'm not making that up you have to clean your horse's hook every day. Well, when you're there, you're, right. you should clean your horse's hook on a regular basis or they can get like a bacterial uh, right. infection. So yeah, picking up the leg should be, or a trained horse should be uh, not so hard. Okay. All right. See, now I know it's all just phony TV stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Look, I lift up his leg. No, right. it's doing right. it all the time. <laughs> you guys have to go. You guys got to go on my uh, Instagram and look at some of the pictures of some of the stuff that uh, we've done with the horse. You got to scroll through those Instagram photos of her. You'll see uh, they can do a lot of things. This She's makes beautiful. me. I was looking and. and I saw her playing soccer. She oh, mm-hmm. very and nice. you'll notice you'll notice in a lot of those some of those photos she doesn't have a bit in her mouth. I'll ride her bitless and bridleless. We ride her bareback. Um, so it's all about you can always increase your game and your knowledge. You know, some people are like, no, you gotta hold on to this. No, it's really not about the grabbing on their faces and forcing them to do things. You can actually build a relationship with the horse and you know 
people know, like a dog, you know, you, you can have a great relationship with the animal. So you'll see lots of stuff in there. Um, she plays soccer bridalists too. Wow. Yeah. And how many, you said you've been doing this since you were like eight or something? And... I was young. I really don't know the exact age. I have a picture of myself on a hobby horse in my living room, and I always joke and say, I think that's where it all started. <laughs> I, I look like I was maybe two years old on a hobby horse. Like, I, I feel like that's kind of where it all started. I, I never, I don't remember ever not wanting to ride. And I'm old, so you know that's how. <laughs> you're not that old, Dale. Come on. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know. I know why you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's really important for people to develop their passions, whether it be uh, horse riding or or some other type of activity a lot of times as we get older we forget about that kind of thing and and we just get caught up in the day-to-day -day living so it's really admirable that you still stuck to uh i mean as long as i've known you you've been passionate about horses uh you've actually made me passionate about horses um you know what i mean by that is now i will get on one <laughs> But it's not like I'll get on one without you around, because <laughs> I need you. But, but I mean, I know about horses because of you. And if you weren't in my life, I wouldn't know anything about horse riding or anything like that. So um, it's, it's really admirable, and especially how you try to introduce it to the community, the young kids in the community. So hats off to you. Thank you. I want to just add on that. So I'm also trauma trained from my regular job. I do sexual assaults and things of that nature. So I'm trauma trained and trauma informed. And one of the things that, you know, so just going on what you said is that self-care. Self-care is so important. Even during this uh, pandemic where you're in the house, you have to always remember you need to do something for yourself. For me, it's my horse, you know. For other people, I tell people, I don't care if you sit on the couch and pet your dog or cat for 20 minutes. Whatever you enjoy, walking, whatever it is, you have to have a daily regimen where you're caring for yourself. Because if you don't, when something happens or you become stressed and then you start saying, I don't feel right, I need to go and do that. It's too late. You're in crisis management, right? So, you know, I do encourage everyone to have something that they enjoy doing and try to do it on a daily basis. All right. And with that note, we're going to start signing off. So once again, uh, thank you, Mrs. Bryson, for coming on our show. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you very much. And we'll put all your information on our website. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Have a good day. You're listening to A Fly on the Wall. You could chat with us and discuss upcoming topics on our Facebook page, A Fly on the Wall. You could also send questions, feedback, and interview requests to info at aflyonthewallpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.
The views and opinions expressed by A Fly on the Wall are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any business or place of employment. Any content provided by the host and their guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. This podcast is purely for entertainment purposes and should not be used as a substitution for professional advice.